I got a question for you. Have you ever tried to be in charge? Or maybe has someone ever tried to control you? You know, things like that. Now, control is this interesting thing because just when you think you're in control or maybe you're in charge, something happens and you realize you're not. So I was looking at the internet and I came across a few videos of people trying to figure this out. Are, am I in charge or not? Let's watch. Oh man, that sheep, that sheep is an interesting one, right? Because that, that shepherd just wants to help him out, right? And that sheep is like, no, 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 I, I, I'm in charge of this. I got this until he did it. Yeah, very interesting. But you ever wonder why we wanna be in charge so much? Like it's almost ingrained in us. Like some of us, we just have this independent streak. Like we wanna make our choices. We want our own freedom, things like that. Others of us, it's a little different. It's, it's more about like safety and security, but you start to manipulate all the circumstances around you so that you can be safe and secure. But see, this desire to be in charge actually goes way back, way back to the garden, actually, like as most things do. And you know this story, right? God said to Adam and Eve, everything in this garden is yours except this one tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And so we, we know the story, right? They, they thought God was holding out on them. And so they ate from the tree because they're like, I, I know what's best for my life. I want to be in charge. But look at one of the consequences to that action, Genesis 3.16. And he said to the woman, you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Hmm. So let's just say that desire to be in charge goes way, 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 way back. But were we ever meant to be in charge? I want you to think about your life for a minute. Who's in charge of it? Who's ruling and reigning in your world? Is it you? Is it your spouse? Is it your boss? Is it people's opinions? Is it an addiction? Or is it the king of kings and the lord of lords? See, we're in a series we're calling Come and See. Come and see what God has done. And it's, it's actually based on this really cool Christmas song called Noel. And the song is so theologically rich, we're actually basing the whole series on it. And we've learned that the, the word Noel actually means to be born. So we've gone through like, he was born to love, like love incarnate, love divine, like he's, he's a pursuing God. So he became flesh, he became a baby. And then we learned last week that he was born to suffer and born to save, that, that his suffering actually gave rise to our freedom. You, you could say it like the verse, like, by his wounds we are healed. Well, today I wanna break down some, 
powerful lyrics that are right from scripture. Christ, the everlasting Lord, he shall reign forevermore. Like, what does it mean that, that Jesus is the everlasting Lord, that he was born to reign and redeem everything that, the, that happened in the garden? I, I actually wanna reread a prophecy from Isaiah 9 that Diane read last week. Because this, it's, a, it's such a great Christmas verse, but there, there's more to it. Listen, look at this. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. You see, when we say he is the Lord, we're actually saying he's in charge. The, the government will rest on his shoulders. So he's been actually given power and authority to reign for all eternity. But here's what's really cool, because he's a a very different kind of king. See, when he rules, when he reigns, he, he reigns with fairness and justice. He has peace that, that's actually never gonna end, that it will never end. I mean, would you, would you agree that things in this world are not very fair, right? Or how about, don't many of us like deal with anxiety all the time, or maybe it's not you, but others around you? Man, we need a king like Jesus, so what do we do with that desire to be in charge, to be in control all the time or to be independent? Well, I'm gonna pray and we're gonna dig into that. So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We welcome your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you were born to reign. Help us realize that in our lives. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to have your way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So what does it mean that Jesus is the everlasting Lord, that he shall reign forevermore? You know, it's actually kind of a challenging question, especially for, for our kind of country. You know, our country was built on independence, right? We actually have a declaration, right, of independence when we didn't want to be ruled by the British crown anymore. We wanted to lead our own country. And I was just looking this up because I'm like, well, what does this actually say? Some of you recognize these words. I'll put it up there. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. That's amazing. Given certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, that, that's the American dream, right? It's our independence, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. But see, I actually left out a part of that declaration that's really, really important something that our, the founders of our country actually held really strongly to. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You see, what our founders understood is that although they were coming up under, from under the British crown, they were still under his crown. Like written in the very fabric of our country is this understanding that God is actually the giver of our rights. 
God is the giver of life. God is the giver of pursuit, of, of liberty, of the pursuit of happiness. Like he actually, it actually comes from him. Like we only have these things because they are endowed by our creator. See what that means is he's the Lord of it all. See, I think sometimes our desire for this independence, our, our desire to be in charge, to be in control, we, we actually lose sight that he's the giver of it all. You know, there's a verse, it's really a kind of a crazy verse when you think about it. It says this, that one day, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, what? That Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, some of us, most of us probably, are gonna gladly say this, right? We're gonna gladly say it. But others are gonna say it, but maybe not so gladly. But everyone's gonna say it. I mean, just, just interesting thought. But what are we saying? When we say Jesus Christ is Lord, what does that actually say? Well, the word Lord means he to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has the power of deciding. You know, I, I love this intimate language. This, this, you see how personal this is? We belong to Jesus. Think, think about that. See, I think you might know that he is the Lord, but is he your Lord? See, Jesus is not looking to control your life, but he is meant to be in charge of it. That's an interesting, he's not a micromanager. But do you see the invitation? Are we willing to come up under his lordship? Now, interestingly enough, we can actually learn a lot from the Christmas story in this, a lot about his lordship. And specifically, when the Magi travel from the east to worship Jesus. Now, the Magi, we don't actually know tons about. Some people think they were, believe they were kings. Some people called them wise men. But we do know this, they are royalty. Uh, probably princes that oversaw regions. They had immense influence everywhere that they went, and they were extremely wealthy, very, very wealthy, had lots of money. And so I'm actually gonna read the scripture that talks about, you know, this is a, also a very famous one during Christmas, but, it, you know, we've heard born to love, born to save, but here we're gonna see that he was born to reign. So let's read this Christmas story. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts 
of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that he learned from the Magi. Now, this part of the story is a little dark, okay? But I wanted to show you the, the different reactions to different royalty, to different kings. How do they react when they see the everlasting Lord. Now, before I, before I talk about that, I have a, a little aside because I'm about to ruin your nativity scenes. I'm really sorry about this. Now, often you see, you know, Jesus, the little baby comes and the, and the, the kings come and they get their gifts. Well, that actually didn't happen at the same time. See, Jesus is actually a toddler when the, the kings come and give their gifts. Now, you can still use your nativity scenes, okay? It's totally fine, but actually he's in diapers and is a toddler, okay? So just want everybody to know that. So how does King Herod respond? He's threatened. He freaks out, right? He's like, I'm in charge, and anybody who gets in the way of that, I'm gonna get rid of him. I'm gonna kill him. I mean, what a horrific response to the birth of the everlasting Lord. Like, but see, the Magi, how they respond It just amazes me. Like like Herod, their royalty, they have influence, they have authority, what they say goes, they have immense wealth, they have all of that. But when they see the star rise to the everlasting Lord, what do they do? They gather some of the most expensive and extravagant gifts known to mankind, and they go and they worship him. Now these gifts, they're not just random gifts. They're not like grabbing things from their house or anything, right? No, these are actually really specific. They have immense prophetic significance. That means they point to what Jesus will do and who he'll become, but they actually have prophetic significance to us today. See, what the Magi are actually demonstrating is how to make Jesus the king in your life, the Lord of your life. They're demonstrating how we invite Jesus to be in charge of it. And the first gift is gold. Now, we're pretty familiar with gold. It's, it's pretty common today. It's, it's a rare, it's expensive, right? And, and back then, it signified wealth and status. And if you were royal, you had tons of it, a lot of it. I mean, you adorned your houses with it. And see, when the Magi are presenting gold, they're actually pointing to Jesus's royalty and his kingship. What they're, what they're actually saying is, you are my Lord. You're actually in charge of my life. See, whatever royal status we have is actually under you because you're the king. That, that's what they're doing with that, endowed by their creator, right? Sounds familiar. But see, the act of the Magi is actually also significant for us because as we give to Jesus, we're actually making the same declaration. Jesus, you are my Lord. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like when Jesus grew up, he talked a lot about money. Like 11 of the 39 parables were about money. 
But actually, he used money to point to a more deeper spiritual truth. And one of those truths had a lot to do with our hearts. You see, he, he said this in Matthew 6. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See what's happening here? See, when the Magi are, are presenting their treasures, he's saying, we put our treasure, we put our gold, we put our, our finances before you. See, when we give and we're, we're generous, we're actually making him Lord. We're, we're saying, I trust you. I, I'm putting you in charge of my life. Now, I know finances are kind of challenging. Okay, here's what I thought. Like, okay, we're kind of in inflation. I don't know if it's official yet, but it feels like inflation. And I thought, you know, I'm generous. I give, I give my first fruits, I tie, things like that. And I thought, you know, inflation's not gonna really, we're not gonna really feel the effects of it. Well, good Lord. Over the last six months, some of our bills have doubled. And we're even doing, like we have less electricity and it's double than what we paid last year. Is that happening to anybody else? I mean, it's cray-cray. Like, I don't know what's happening and I'm, I'm feeling the pinch, right? And so then I look at my tithe and I'm like, mm -hmm. well, that would be really useful right now. But you know what makes this all the more valuable? God, this is a sacrifice. This is an offering to you. You know what? I'm gonna give this to you and trust you. Before I pay any of my bills, I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna trust you because you're the provider. Like you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. I'm gonna trust you with this. And you know the reality, we do have everything we need. You know, sometimes this kind of stuff helps you evaluate. What do I need? What do I want? You know, like Marie Kondo. Does this spark joy? You know, maybe it does, but you shouldn't still have it anyway. I don't know. And when I look over the path of my life, all I see is God's faithfulness. Even when we've lost jobs, like we can trust him. We can trust him with our gold. You see, giving actually is one of the most tangible ways to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. That's why it's kind of hard. You know, we, oh, oh he's talking about money. You, you know, it's not about that. It's about your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It's really actually an act of worship, which leads to the second gift. They give him gold, and then they give him frankincense. Now, we know a lot about gold, but we don't know much about frankincense. Well, actually, it's also a very rare gift. It's, a, it's so rare, it's actually more expensive than gold, which is kind of crazy to think. And it was used uh, for the wealthy. <clears throat> they used it as a perfume. Um, it had medicinal purposes. But one of the main ways, it was actually used as a spiritual incense. Uh, many, many temples, even the Lord's temple, they would burn incense as an, as an offering. Man, these magi have a lot of money, right? And they are lavishing it on Jesus. Now, how did Jesus use this gift? Uh, I mean, he was still a toddler. I have a toddler. They have diapers. And sometimes you need to burn some incense, I'm just saying. Right? Yeah. But prophetically, this is actually pointing to Jesus' divinity, right? Like, they're, they're actually saying, you are fully man, fully God, and you are worthy to be worshiped. 
you are worthy to be worshiped. Now, you can see the obvious connections for this today. Because you know some of the things that are controlling our lives, that maybe are in charge of our lives, are actually things that we're worshiping and we don't even realize it. You know, worship, in its basic sense, means to put our worth and our value into something. And what happens when we do that, we actually become like what we worship. The more we put our worth and our value into something, we actually become like it. So let me give you a few examples. If we start to put our worth and our value in money, and we think about money, and how can I make more money, and it's all about money, 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 we become a greedy person. If we start to put our worth and our value, all of it into our job, and we're thinking about advancement, and how can I do better at this job, and we actually become a workaholic, right? Now, here's another one that, that hits all of us. When we start to put our worth and our value about what other people think, other people's opinions, we start to care so much about what they think and what, what they're looking and how they're seeing and all that kind of stuff, we become a people pleaser. You know, here, here's an interesting thing. You know, social media is doing such a great job at training us how to overvalue what other people think to get our worth from it. Because you know what? We start to think we're in charge of what people think of us. So we begin to kind of work hard to make sure that they, they see the right things. You know, put on the face. We do this at church, don't we? Like, how you doing? Blessed and highly favored, even though things are not going well at home, right? We care too much what people think. And what happens is it becomes the Lord of our life. But you know whose opinion we should really care about? Jesus. That's right, I said it. Jesus. You know who's really inspired me with this? It's a guy named Chris Pratt. He's a Christian. He's actually a very famous guy. Uh, Parks and Recreation, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel. And he got an award at the MTV Movie Awards. And look what he chose to share in front of the whole world. Let's watch this clip. God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Believe that. I do. Learn to pray. It's easy, and it's so good for your soul. And finally, nobody is perfect. People are going to tell you you're perfect just the way you are. You're not. You are imperfect. You always will be, but there is a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you're willing to accept that, you will have grace. And grace is a gift. And like the freedom that we enjoy in this country, that grace was paid for with somebody else's blood. Do not forget it. Don't take it for granted. God bless you. Please get home safely. Thank you. Isn't that cool? That inspires me. I don't know about you. Now, I know we can get a little jaded with with celebrities sharing about their faith because there's been some disappointment out there. But you know what I see there Uh, uh, with, you know, sharing with millions of people? I see an act of worship. I see an offering of his influence and his reputation right before the Lord. You know what he's saying right there? 
Jesus is the one that matters to me. He's my Lord. And I'm gonna share this even if I get roasted for it. And you know what? He did get roasted. He was in the media. All the, You know what they tried to do? They tried to cancel him. But here's what's amazing. Oh, I just love this. His non-Christian colleagues that are also famous people, they actually came to, went to bat for him. They go, he's the kindest and nicest person. Don't cancel him. You see, when you discover that there's some things in your life that are controlling your life, maybe it's people's opinions, your job, it's, maybe it's money, what you do is you burn them like incense. Like, here you go, Jesus. Your opinion is more valuable than anybody else's. So I wanna be driven by what you think. Jesus, here, here's, here's my job. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you consume me more than it does. I'm gonna clock out so I can clock into you. See, this is how we let him reign over our life. This is how we make him Lord. So that's frankincense. Now, the third gift they give him is myrrh. This is also very rare. Get this, it was so rare, it was double the price of gold. Double the price, that, that like shocked me. I mean, these guys have some money, right? And what it was used for is an antiseptic, uh, or, but mostly it was actually used as an embalming fluid when someone dies. Now, I don't know how many toddler birthdays you've been to. Oh, thanks for inviting me. Here's some embalming fluid. I mean, for later. Yeah, I mean, kind of strange. But prophetically, obviously, you see that it's pointing to what Jesus would eventually do for us on the cross that he would die so that we could come alive. But it also does something really for us, how we invite him to reign over our life, how we make him Lord. Just before he went to the cross, this is what he said to his disciples. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life, if you give up control, if you give up being in charge, for my sake, you will save it. I think this actually might be the most challenging gift to give Jesus. I mean, it's definitely the most expensive. No one likes to talk about death or, or dying. No one wants to give up their own way. I mean, what would Burger King do? Have it your way? I don't know. We like to be in charge. Like maybe there's a dream in your heart. But that dream is kind of come in front of Jesus. Like maybe it's starting to consume your thoughts or begin to rule over your life. Like meaning it starts to control the decisions you make. And I'm not talking about making plans or goals. Like those are actually good things. I'm talking about something that's ruling over your life. And you can't make a decision without that lens. You know, for me at one point, it was actually getting married. You know, I didn't start following Jesus until I was in my 20s. And basically, I really did everything the world's way. And it, pretty, it left me pretty empty and messed up, even suicidal at points. So when I started following Jesus, I just got this desire to, to do it his way. Lord, Lord, I've tried it every other way. I'm gonna try it your way. And one of those was to get married. Now, I dated one person during this time, and that didn't work out. 
Just a, a moment of silence for all the people we should not have dated. Okay, that's over. So when I got to my 30s, I was like, God, what do I do with this desire? What, what do I do with it? Did you place it here? I mean, it's not more godly to be married or single, all that, but what do I do with this? And eventually, I became a pastor, and I started officiating wedding, weddings of all my friends, but I was like still single, and I, this frustration started to grow and grow, and finally, I felt like the Lord said, you need to die to this dream. It's consuming you. Die to it. And I was like, you're right. You're right. Okay. Like, God, you play, if you place this there, you place this there, that, that's great. But I'm going to live for you, and if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, that's okay. And I actually meant it. I know we sometimes say those things. I actually felt this burden lift, like this weight lift off of me. I was like, okay, I'm just going to live for you, Lord. Well, several months later, I met Katie in the commons, and 18 months after that, we got married. And I was like, Lord, what just happened? I don't totally understand this. See, for me, I needed to die to my own way. I needed to, it was ruling over my life. It was ruling over my thoughts. Like, you can kind of say it this way, Psalm 37. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So what's my job? I'm taking delight. Lord, mold and shape me. I'm gonna take delight in you. He is the one in charge of giving me the desires. What is it in your life? Is there something you need to let die? You know, there's this famous phrase, I don't know even who said it, to let go and let God. It's a little cheesy, but it's true. Like if I'm holding on to something, like maybe it's my, my finances or I'm holding on to people's opinions, like what they, what they think about me or I'm holding on to this dream, but I've grabbed onto it so tightly that I think this is the way it's gonna be given to me. This is the only way it could happen, right? And I'm not gonna let go of this. Well, you're actually gonna be stuck because you believe you already know what it looks like. And you can't receive what you're supposed to receive because you're holding on to something else. See, we don't always have the power to be in charge, but we do always have the power to surrender. See, we need to let go and let God. You you know, this is what the Magi are actually demonstrating. They had everything they needed. They had riches, wealth, influence, power, but when they saw that star, this is a supernatural thing, right? It led them, oh, but he's the Lord. He's who our hearts have been waiting for. Like, as we move into worship, what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to that, that maybe needs to become a sacrifice? It might be something good. But maybe it's, you're stuck in the way you see it. Maybe it is a breakthrough in your finances. Maybe it is a husband or a wife. But see, what God is calling us to today, he's just saying, let go. Open your hands. I'll place it in there. I will give you the desires of your heart. I will give you life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. It comes from me. Let me reign over your life because this is what I was born to do. 
So Jesus, I want us all to stand. We're, we're gonna move into worship. And I just want you to put your hands on your heart. Jesus, God, you know exactly where all of us are. And I'm just asking right now, God, if there's something, if there are things in our life that we're holding on to instead of you first, God, would you just give us the power to let go and to let you do your thing? This is what you were born to do, Lord. Oh, God, thank you for the freedom that you gave us. Thank you for the life that you gave us. And God, today, we just wanna redirect our attention, our affection. Lord, reign over our lives. We bless you. In Jesus' name, let's worship.